Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers, and I'm having a great time in the studio today. Um, it's, a, it's a season of fall. It's coming. Fall is coming, and those of us who live in Arizona who have had the hottest summer ever, and I've been here all summer with the rest of the Arizonans, with all of you who have been stuck at home as we have been stuck at home, quarantined, sheltered, pandemicking. Um, I feel a rush of air that feels a little cooler. And I want to say to you that I love what I get to do. Thank you for joining us for these podcasts, for going to our website, for looking at our products, for waiting for the red plates. You waited for the red plates and the red plates finally came. We waited for red plates for months. They're all out. Uh, we still have some, but all of you who've ordered them, they're all mailed. So thank you for investing in Modern Homemakers and letting us invest in you. These subjects are very near and dear to me. Thank you for joining me. Uh, remember my dear friends over the last few months, um, Emily Barnes most recently, and for letting me interview my friends. For all of you who let your friends be my friends, now I'm turning the tables on you, and I'm letting you meet my friends. You may like them, you may not like them, but you're going to learn something new about humanity and individuals as we go through this series. I've been talking to you for a few times, and I'm going to do this together for a few shows, about know and be known. And if you did not listen to the show in between this one and the last one a few shows ago called Being Known, please go back and listen to it. It is, for me, a thrilling opportunity to say to you some things about Psalm 139, which are very real and present to me. And I don't know why, but the flow of it became very possible. It's something that I have been thinking about for the last few decades, and God has been doing in my own life. Uh, no one ever cared to know me in the early part of my life. My husband, my daughter, my friends. But in the early part of my life, that was not an ingredient. And I suffered from it. I suffered from it. And God, in his perfect power, redeems it. He redeemed the sin of being put into my life that no one cared enough to get to know me as a human being until I was an adult. But God knew me. And I don't know where you live or what you do or how you feel, but I want you to know that Psalm 139 very, very clearly tells us that he knows us, he knows where we are, and when we can accept how well we are known, he can search us. We can give him freedom to search us and renew us and refresh us. Knowing the book, the book, know the book, it's been a phrase I've used for decades because I believe we should know the book. I talked to you a few weeks ago about amusement dependency and how imagery has taken the place of words. When you say books, I was with a few college students a few months ago. College students, three of them had graduated, had lovely degrees, and I said, well, what are you reading? You know what they said? Nothing. And one of them said, I don't like books. And I think to myself, okay, now I'm a bookaholic. I know that. But you're not reading? And I did sort of silently say, well, well what are you reading in the Bible? Yeah, I listened to it on you know, a device. 
I'm not, I am not bad-mouthing any devices. I, I do the same myself. I love my Spotify music. Oh, my goodness, my Spotify and my AirPods, I'm like the happiest woman in town. My husband walks into my study, and he sees me, and he knows whether he can see my AirPods or not. He knows that I have this wonderful music wafting through my head because of these two technological wizardries, as far as I'm concerned. But knowing the contents of God's word and why he wrote it and that Jesus is in the book from Genesis through Revelation is an important part of your foundation. Your foundation. Knowing Jesus, coming to Jesus, professing him as Father and Son and Holy Spirit, Savior and Redeemer are excellent and important things. But do you know anything about this book? And in many ways, what I described to you about Psalm 139 fits over knowing the book. Because to know the book is to allow an opportunity to be known by him. And when you know the contents of this book, you have an opportunity to go to it and find things that will comfort you. Find things that you can learn to comfort others. Know the book. I love this piece, and a couple of these we put up on uh, the website. One is called Know the Book, and there are six questions. Answer them, make a hard copy, use it for table conversation, see how well you do. There's a second piece that's called the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it divides it into themes of each section of the Bible. There are five sections in the Old Covenant and four sections in the New Covenant. Can you describe those themes? And then today I brought with me something that is not on the site and I won't put on it, but it's, fifth, it's the themes of the Bible in 50 words. Did you hear that? Now, I speak billions of words. My husband said he, he has no idea how many billions of words I've had privilege of speaking. And for those of you who listen to us three or four times a week, you know that's true. But this is the themes of the Bible in 50 words. Ready? God made, Adam bit, Noah arced, Abraham split, Jacob fooled, Joseph ruled, Bush talked, Moses balked, Pharaoh plagued, people walked, sea divided, tables guided, promised land, Saul freaked, David peaked, prophets warned, Jesus born, God walked, love talked, anger crucified, hope died, love rose, spirit flamed, word spread, God remained. I don't know why, but that just tickles me. It, it pleases me. And what pleases me is that I can say to you that I could start right now and begin on every one of those two-word couplets describing the themes of the Bible and talk to you about what God made, about how God remained. And I want you to be a person who knows this book. Now, I love books. I collect books. I prefer books above all other things. 
my husband and I for years went to the visiting nurse sale here in Phoenix, which annually had at least a half a million books. And most of those books were no more than $1 to $5. Plus they have rare manuscripts. And I can't tell you how many books we bought carted home in perfect boxes on carts and wheels and wagons. And I would say to you, over 35 years, we read most of them. When we got ready to move from our larger home into a smaller home, we got rid of most of them. We gave them away. We were honored for people who wanted our books. My Lincoln collection went to a dear friend who has them high on a bookshelf in their great room. Another characteristic about me is the quantity of questions I ask. And usually, if you know me, uh, I can sit down with you, and in the first five minutes, I'd ask you at least three questions. And sometimes, as David would say, give her a chance to answer the question. So there are billions of questions that I have. And I want you to know that in all of these questions, I've had in my lifetime. I've never had a question that God didn't answer. Did you hear that? Never. Now, what are those questions? And as a young woman, I, I honestly said this. I know I've said it from the platform. I said something like, what I'd really like is the Bible. And in one of the books of the Bible, it was called Donna, the book of Donna. And then God knew, of course, how many years I was going to live. And so for every decade, for every decade, there was a chapter. So chapter one would have been my first decade. And then there were 10 verses that described, or 12 verses that described what was going to happen in those 10 years. Okay? So if I wanted to know what was coming this year, I'd just go to the book of Donna and look up chapter six for my sixth decade and find out what I was going to be doing or needed to do in my 65th year. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, it would be cool, except there'd be no reliance on God or his spirit or the way he wants to teach me. But did he answer the question, what shall I do with my life? Yes. Who should I marry? Yes. Did he tell me David William Otto? No, but he told me what kind of man to marry. How do I show my love for Jesus? Does he tell me how do I spend my money or my time or my energy or what I teach children or what about euthanasia or suicide or gun control. It's all there. It's all there in his word. Is abortion right or wrong? It's all in God's word. Yes, the answers to all the questions are in the book. Do you know this book? Do you know that as late as 2015, the Bible was the most shoplifted book in the world? I love those funny little statistics. 50 Bibles are shoplifted every minute of every day around the world. I find that staggering. How many Bibles do you have at your house? I have numbers of Bibles in different varieties. 93% of all Americans own at least one Bible. Most of them own two. But only 12% of that 93 actually read them. There are 3,800 3, references to the Word of God coming from God as thus saith, for the word of God, 2,000 biblical prophecies, 25,000 archaeological confirmations in the Bible. Did you, did you hear what that is? 25,000 archaeological digs around the world confirming something that was written in the Bible centuries ago. There are over 40 authors written over 1,500 years, three continents in three languages. And for those of us who take the scripture to be very serious, there aren't any contradictions. 
There are seasons and passages of the scripture. Do you read it? Do you know it? Do you read it devotionally? I, I want to talk to you in the next times we're together about this family and this history of the family and how we know the book and how we know what part of the book is our family. And so I want to describe to you just in a few minutes that we have left that this family that you find in the book, the Bible, is your family. It's your family. And if you are a woman or a man or a child who has never yet said that I believe in the one true living God, I pray that today would be the day you would consider that. Because it is in saying that he is the one true living God and you want him to be the God of your life, that we can agree with Mark in chapter 3, who when Jesus is out working in the ministry in the three years that he traveled and spoke about his father and spoke about ways to live, he was worn out and undone. And his mother and his brothers went to find him. And the word in Mark 3 says they went to accost him. That's how strong it was. They went to take him away from what he was doing. They knock on the door, so to speak, and someone comes to where Jesus is and says, your mother and brothers are outside. And Jesus says, almost sarcastically, who are my mother and brothers? Of course he knows who his mother and brothers are. But what he's getting to is what he always gets to, his main point. And what he says, my mothers and brothers and family are those who do the will of God. So you say to yourself, my mother and father, they don't love Christ. My grandparents didn't love Christ. My children don't love Christ. Who is my family? Your family are all the men and women who've gone before you and who live now, who are a part of your genealogy. You belong to that family. So we belong whether we come from a family of people who profess Christ or not. The Bible is very underread in these days. Late night shows have done quizzes about the Bible and what are the four Gospels and it's Martin Luther and, and John, you know. And, and Martin Luther is Martin Luther, not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are historical books and poetic books and prophetic books. And the Old Testament is not one continuous story, but rather 17 storylines all about the history of Israel and the children of God who came to live in the new generation, the new covenant. The Psalms were written by people who lived in the time of Second Samuel and the First Chronicles. The beautiful poetic books of Psalms and, and the Song of Solomon and the book of Proverbs, which gives you things to live by and um, images that help you be a wise person. There are so many pieces of history about this book, about this study, about knowing this book, and I would like to encourage you to learn them. I want to give you in one words or a couple of words what I call the family topics. If you make this book, the Bible, the book that you know the best, you will understand your family the best. And what are those family topics? Well, the Word of God, God the Father, Christ, the Holy Spirit, angels, man, 
salvation, and the future. The future. We say, who is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? What is the Trinity about? The scripture is very clear to tell us, and they are a part of your family. Christ is the second member of your family. God is the first member of the Trinity. And the Trinity gives us an understanding about how we are to live and work and be together. The Bible requires study and diligence and perseverance. And you say, I, I don't know how to study the Bible. There are so many wonderful resources that could help you learn how to study the Bible in an academic way that you learn the facts about the Bible. And certainly Precept Ministries, who we have partnered with through the years, have amazing tools and resources very inexpensively to help you learn how to study the Bible for yourself. Hannah Whitehall-Smith, who is long gone in the arms of Christ, said, The will is king and emotions are the servants. We've been talking about emotions and feelings, how important they are, but they serve the will, which is the word of God, the king himself. And the scripture, it gives us ways to be practical and effective, how to pray for our children, how to find the answers for our life and our future. I end today by reminding you what Hebrews says, the book of Hebrews written by Paul, and he tells us not to be immature, not to be old in life and young in our knowledge of the Bible. He uses a terribly true and very profound picture that we are not to be sucking a bottle like babies do, but we are be chewing on a steak. A baby cannot chew on a steak. He does not have teeth to do that. An adult should not be sucking on a bottle, should be eating a steak, should be knowing the truth and the wisdoms of God's word. The next time we are together, I want to talk to you about the difference between devotional reading and study reading of the scripture. And I'm going to separate them out for you because I believe that devotional reading can happen to us at any intersection we are at with God and his word. Study takes time. It takes perseverance. It takes discipline. And I, I, I want to encourage you to do it, but I also want you to know that it's just not knowing the book. It's knowing the book so we can know its author, God the Father, Christ the Savior, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. If we know these people, we know that they are part of our family, then the study of the Word of God helps us to know them more intimately. Devotional reading helps us to read the Bible so that we feel known by him. And the next time we're together, I want to talk about how to read the Bible devotionally. Thank you so much for joining us today in this second in a three-part series about being to know and be known. Don't forget to go back and listen to the sermon on one um, psalm. 139 about being known by God. And then thank you for joining us today. I'm Donna Otto, and this is Modern Homemakers. We're very glad you joined us. Thank you so much for supporting us, for praying for us, for being a part of our family. And remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of knowing the Bible.
we have a small box of books that we're going to give to the first people who write us and say, I love Emily Barnes. All you have to do is say, I love Emily Barnes. Be sure you leave your hard address and we'll send you a book. Harvest House Publisher, who was Emily's and my publisher for years, gave us a box of books to give away in honor of Emily. So it'll come to your door if you want it.